This is Fresh Air. I'm Terry Gross. On today's holiday show, we're going to listen back to a delightful recent performance and interview with jazz singer Samara Joy. Earlier this year, she became the second jazz performer in Grammy history to win the award for Best New Artist. To top it off, she also won the Grammy for Best Jazz Vocal Album. The album is called Linger A While, which has now been released in a deluxe edition with some bonus material, including alternate arrangements. Samara Joy is 23 and didn't really immerse herself in jazz until she was in college. When she was studying music at the State University of New York's Purchase College, she won the Sarah Vaughan International Jazz Vocal Competition, which helped launch her career. She comes from a family of gospel singers. Her grandparents co-founded a gospel group in Philadelphia called the Savettes and traveled around Philadelphia preaching in their Godmobile. Her father is a singer and bass player who toured with gospel star Andre Crouch. Samara Joy was a soloist in her church choir in the Bronx. For her fresh air performance, she was joined by Cameron Campbell at the piano, Michael Migliori bass, and Evan Sherman drums. They joined us from the WNYC studios in New York. Well, welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for coming. Samara, I really love your singing, and uh, it's so great to have you here. So I'd like to start with a song that you include on the new album. It's a song by Frank Lesser, who also wrote the score for Guys and Dolls, and Jimmy McHugh. The song is Can't Get Out of This Mood. And I'm wondering, like, why did you choose this song? What does it mean to you? How did you first hear it? It's not a song that many people do. Yeah, I heard this uh, first from Sarah Vaughn and later on from Nina Simone. Um, And I realized that uh, at the time of choosing it, I was attracted to a lot of um, sadder uh, torch songs. And so when I heard it, you know, I was like, this is something a little bit more upbeat and positive to add to the repertoire. And that's why I love to sing it. Well, I'd love for you to sing it now. Here we go. Here I 
Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> love, love your voice. So, you know, when you accepted the Grammy for Best New Artist, you said that you were amazed at being here by just being yourself, by just being who you were born as. What did you mean by that? Because you seem really overwhelmed by the idea of being here by just being yourself. I was very overwhelmed, and I wish I could go back and do it again. But I guess what I meant really in my head, what I was trying to say was, you know, a lot of times in the music industry or from the outside looking in, you see people change or they're kind of forced to change in order to fit in or forced to uh, blend in or assimilate alongside all of these um, creatives in order to get their shot. And so I felt like it was incredible for me to even be in that room and be a part of something so special, part of that night, without having to necessarily change anything about who I am in order to fit in. It's like I fit in already by just being myself. And uh, for both of your acceptance speeches, uh, the Grammys, you said, I'm from the Bronx. I can't believe I'm here. What was your neighborhood like in the Bronx? Well, for me, you know, it was it was half and half chaotic and (laughs) and peaceful. You know, if that makes sense. My my grandmother bought a house in the Bronx that we all lived in and still, you know, have and own to this day. That was kind of like half in the suburbs and kind of half in the. I guess the more dangerous, you know, side of town. And so I went to public school. I saw a lot, you know, growing up that, but thankfully, you know, my dad, he would pick us up and drop us off from school every single day. And so I, I don't know. It's just every time I've talked to anybody about the Bronx, they're like, Oh, it's, you know, crazy over there. Like for me, I had an amazing childhood an amazing time in public school and going to school and stuff. So I don't look at that as like, even though I'm from the Bronx, I've made it out. You know, it's like there's potential and there's talent and there's, people with dreams everywhere, you know, no matter where you're from. And it's just like if you have somebody, support a family or a teacher who believes in you or wants to support you or and people around you that want to help and lift you up, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from or where, you know, they say that the reputation is bad and they say, you know, don't go there or that kind of thing. So I guess that's what I meant. I'm proud of where I'm from. What's a song you heard early on when we were first getting excited by jazz that made you want to sing it? Mm. <laughs> I can remember being uh, one, one of my when I was like asking my professors what what records I should listen to. Um, my vocal teacher Alexis Cole, she told me to check out Sarah Vaughan live at Mr. Kelly's, um, which is an amazing recording. And I listened to Stairway to the Stars, and I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter. And um, yeah, that was that was like one of the main recordings that I fell in love with early on. Would you sing a few bars, just a cappella of A Stairway to the Stars? Let's build a stairway to the stars And climb that lovely stairway to the stars It would be heaven to climb to heaven with you (laughs) Yeah, great. Um, so Sarah Vaughan was obviously one of your first influences, and you won this, the Sarah Vaughan International Jazz Vocal Competition. Did you listen to her over and over and try to understand what she was doing? Leading up, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, even before, you know, the Sarah Vaughan Competition, because the Sarah Vaughan Competition, I, 
auditioned at the end of my sophomore year going into my junior year um but before that you know freshman and so all of freshman and sophomore year she was one of the main uh singers that I was listening to um because um Honestly, I was listening to Ella for the melody at the time for my repertoire classes, and then I was listening to Sarah Vaughn's recordings for ways that I could switch it up, you know, and make it. And like, because she it was always, every time I listened to a recording of hers, is like, there was something special about it. There was something different. It was like, I never imagined you could sing the melody in this way or, you know, emphasize this word or, you know, harmonically, whatever she was doing, because she also played piano and had incredible ears. Um, so uh yeah I I was I was definitely an imitator of Sarah Vaughan for a while. <laughs> what I think you share with her is just the depth of your voice. Um and and a similar range like your vocal placement seems similar. You both have kind of deep voices. And I also I guess I um subconsciously wanted to have a wide range like hers because she could sing incredibly low <laughs> but also right. had this operatic yeah. head voice that was just it was so strong and so light and airy at the same time so mm-hmm. what did you learn about your voice studying voice in college because you'd already sung a lot with um choirs in 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 church i think the main thing i learned probably was i need i needed to control it more i think i was it was either you sing soft or you sing loud i didn't really have any sense of uh dynamics at the time um mm-hmm. along with like things like breath support you know and 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 practicing that and practice and being in tune and I took classical lessons for a year while I was at purchase as well um and so I learned not only about the foundational things but about phrasing and just being having having control over my voice and and not just looking at a song as just something to sing but like actually delving into the story and the lyrics and utilizing whatever tools I have technique-wise to to bring the song to life. Well, I'd love for you to do another song. And on your new album, you do Round Midnight. And it's a really beautiful version of it. I like the darkness of it that you bring out in your interpretation. So this is a song, unlike Can't Get Out of This Mood, this is a song that like lots and lots and lots of jazz musicians do. I think it's one of the most recorded songs in like, jazz record history um why did you want to sing it and what did you want to bring out in it well i knew that i wanted to record it and sing it when um when i heard carmen mccray live on jazz casual with ralph uh, gleason i uh, i heard her do it on his show um and she did these lyrics and i was like i never heard them before you know and she's so far the only recording that i've heard um of john Hendricks' uh, lyrics to round midnight and so I wanted to, um, I don't know, I wanted to, to sing those lyrics and I also wanted to, I guess, uh, open up a, a side of myself that express more of the, the deeper, the warmth of my voice in, in this song. Well, if you and the band can do it for us, that would really be great. A pale and lonely moon lights the sky in the dark before the dawn. Sit here in my room, how I sigh for the day that's come and gone. Another lonely day passes by, and a new day's coming on at midnight. 
today will pass Waiting until tomorrow Dreams of what could be Come close to me Timidly There's a brand new day inside At that time round About midnight Life's a game of chess You're just one of the minor players Look for what you love the Let your spirit stop the fight At that time round about midnight Every day is gonna bring some sadness Every day is gonna bring some gladness take what you can of the glad times don't measure your pleasure in nickels and dimes look back look back look back on today and you'll know when you have been unhappy, fears don't chase away. Just might at night have their day. Let your eyes put out their light at that time. Round beautiful thank you so much <laughs> so that's Samara Joy singing that song was also on her latest album Linger a while and accompanying her Cameron Campbell at the piano Michael Migliori bass and Evan Sherman drums so let's talk about your musical background because you, you were relatively new to jazz but you are steeped in gospel music your grandparents and your father all sang gospel um, so let's start with your grandparents. Uh, your grandmother co-founded a gospel choir in Philadelphia called the Save Ets. There's a story behind the choir. Could you tell it? Well, um, I remember asking my grandfather, you know, how did the Save Ets get started? And he told me that my grandmother, Ruth McClendon, paternal grandmother, got together. Um, originally, the group between the wives, I guess, of the church was to, it was a, an effort to save money, to, to round up money together. But they started each saving meeting with a, a song. And one of her friends actually said, you know, this sounds good. We should bring our husbands in and, and maybe start a group. And so um, they had rehearsal, you know, they sang through a, a couple of different things and and the, the choir was born. Did your grandmother study opera? Not that I know of, actually, no. Because she has a kind of operatic range. 
I think all of all of the studying came in church because I also remember a story of my grandfather, um, who's ninety two. I just talked to him the other day. Um, he got a, he actually got a, an operatic like I think it was a recording contract um, to sing opera, and um, I think she threw it in the garbage um, because I think at that time you know it was church or nothing, sacred no secular. So they all I think did their thing from from singing in church. We so did he or she get the contract? He did. For him to sing opera and she mm-hmm. threw it in the trash. Yeah. Huh. Did that carry over to you that they didn't want you to sing secular music? Yeah, my my grandfather was definitely hesitant about it at first. Even with me going to school, you know, it's like music isn't doesn't belong in school, it belongs, you know, in the church. And so, um, you know, I think I think now his it's safe to say he's come around. Um, because he called me the other day. It was like yeah, you put the Savets on the Jennifer Hudson show. and you know. <laughs> <laughs> So I think he's uh, realizing there's more than one way to uh, to spread the gospel. Right. So I'd like to play back-to-back re- recordings with your grandmother singing with the Savets and with your grandfather singing with the Savets. So let's hear that. So that was Ruth McClendon and Elder Goldwire McClendon singing back-to-back with their gospel choir, the Savettes, and they are the grandparents of my guest, Samara Joy, who is now a double Grammy Award winner. Well, let's take another short break here, and then we'll talk some more. If you're just joining us, my guest is Samara Joy, and she won this year's Grammys for both Best New Artist and Best Jazz Vocal Recording, and that was for her latest album, 
linger a while. We'll be right back, and she'll sing some more for us with her band after this short break. I'm Terry Gross, and this is Fresh Air. Nostalgia hit me as I recall the day I knew that I loved you. You passed me by on a starry night. How could I forget you were stunning? A vision of perfection, heaven's very essence, that you were a shining star to me. The way you smiled was a work of art, you wouldn't believe how it thrilled me. Let's get back to my interview with Samara Joy, who's joining us with her band from the studio of WNYC in New York, where she's performing some songs for us. Her latest album, Linger a While, won this year's Grammy for Best Jazz Vocal Recording. This year, she also became the second jazz performer ever to win the Grammy for Best New Artist. She recorded her first album in 2020 when she was still in college. She was already used to singing in public as the lead soloist with her church choir in the Bronx. Her paternal grandparents sang gospel. Her father toured with gospel star Andre Crouch. Your, your grandparents had a Godmobile, basically a van that drove around Philly. I, I never, I live in Philly, but yeah. uh, n- I never saw never this seen it. Was before I moved here. Um, so, what what was that like? Do you know? Well, my dad told me about it. He is like my his mom, my grandmother Ruth, um, had the idea to um, kind of uh, what's they call it soul saving. So go out into the streets of Philadelphia and and preach um, and sing and um, tell people about God. And so they rented a van, or I don't think they rent, maybe they, did they rent a van? Uh, either rent or bought, or, you know, a friend gave it to them. Um, and they wrote in big letters, Godmobile. And he and my aunts and uncles um, got in the car, <laughs> and my grandmother would pick a random corner, and they would set up and have church. Did a lot of people show up or, or just pass by? Yeah, they, they, you know, there were a lot of passers-by cause since it was like on sidewalks normally. Um, but my dad does tell stories about um, people walking by and actually engaging and, you know, singing along and then eventually getting saved and stuff. That must have been interesting just on the corner. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> just driving yeah. by like, what's that commotion over there? So did they preach as well as sing? My Yeah, my... my um, uh, my grandfather and grandmother were both pastors, um, and they had a, had a church for a while. They moved to Tennell, Georgia, um, and, and had their own church for, I want to say, 15 years, something like that, before moving back to Philadelphia later on. So, yeah, they were both pastors. You sang in church during your teen years, or you were, like, the lead singer of the choir? Is that the right way of putting it? Yes, I joined. So I joined a church that was actually up the street from my high school, um, when I was around 15, and um, I started in the choir, um, and then eventually they kind of um, let me sing with the, it was like a praise and worship leader, like the, like there were about, there was a choir, and then there were about eight singers that normally took the stage with actual microphones, um, and so they let me lead a couple songs before eventually um, naming me one of the worship leaders, um, and so I did that from the time I was, yeah, from the time I was 16 until I until I graduated from high school. Can you sing a little bit about one of the gospel songs that you sang in church that you felt most deeply, that most deeply moved you or connected you to, to you, know, you know, the world beyond self? I can do, okay. Blessed assurance. 
means Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. I want to quote something that you said. I think this was in an interview with the BBC. You said, in church, we come to connect to something greater than ourselves. So if I'm the vessel for that, then I have to be completely free of any sort of ego or nerves. That's what I still keep with me now. I thought that that was a really beautiful thing to say. And um, when you sang in church, like you were a teenager, like you were 15, 16. It's a very deep thought for a 15 or 16-year-old to have to think of something greater than yourself and of you being a vessel without ego. Um, did somebody talk to you about that? Is that an idea you came up with yourself? I mean, it's kind of a mix of both. You know, it was what was taught, you know, and as far, it was taught um, before, you know, being named a worship leader is like my role, you know, as far as um, um, leading people in praise and worship. Um, but also it's just kind of what I saw, you know, around me. Um, my dad, he was, he was also a worship leader at the time. And, you know, when I went to him, you know, thinking like, I can't really do this. I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. It's like, well, it's not about you, <laughs> you know. And if you were, you know, chosen to to fulfill this particular role at this time, you know, it's for a reason. And so don't think about, you know, having to be perfect or having to be the best singer in the room or the best, you know, whatever in the room. But just focus on being um Focus on being not only yourself, but focus on being open and having your ears open and your spirit open to um, whatever the moment calls for. I can see the idea of being chosen working in two ways. On the other hand, on the one hand, like that's a lot of pressure. Like you were chosen, <laughs> you know, so you'd better fulfill the promise. On the other hand, it takes the pressure off for the reasons you just mentioned. Um, did you feel both sides of that, the pressure and the lack of pressure? I did. I did. Especially because I was I was kind of like, why me? <laughs> In a lot of ways, you know, I was just like, I don't, this is like before, before jazz, before SUNY Purchase, before, you know, venturing into jazz, before having uh, proper vocal lessons and stuff. So um, I just felt, I felt like I was excited to do it, but I just felt kind of unprepared. Um, and so, um, yeah, I felt the pressure. You know, it was definitely it was a it was a bigger church than I guess normal. You know, it was live streamed, and there was a big congregation that came in every week, um, and people would tell me, you know, we like your singing, but you just don't blink up there. It's like we can tell, you know, you're really nervous. Um, so I did. I felt the pressure, but again, then again, I feel like it was the perfect space to grow and develop because um, people were very loving and supportive of me at the, in that in that time. Let me reintroduce you. My guest is Samara Joy, and her latest album, which is called Linger a While, won the Grammy for Best New Jazz Vocal Recording, and she won this year's Grammy for Best New Artist. We'll be right back with more music. She's going to sing with her band after we take a short break. This is Fresh Air. Let's get back to my interview with Samara Joy. Her latest album, her second, is called Linger a While. It won this year's Grammy for Best Jazz Vocal Recording, and she won this year's Grammy for Best New Artist. 
She's singing for us today, and accompanying her are Cameron Campbell at the piano, Michael Migliori bass, and Evan Sherman drums. I want to get back to talking about your family. Uh, we talked about your grandparents. Your father um, sings gospel and plays bass and toured with Andre Crouch, who died in 2015, but was a, a really big star in the world of gospel music. And he was a singer. He was a composer and arranger. He he did work on movie scores. So what, what did your, did your father sing and or play bass? Like, what was his role uh, touring? From those tours, I remember him doing both. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I, there's actually a video of him singing um, Andre Crouch's, one of his more famous compositions. I, th- I believe he says he wrote it when he was like 15 years old. It was called The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power. Um, and we sang it together actually on the anniversary of his passing. Um, when I first started getting into TikTok, me and my dad. But um, yeah, those are the days when uh, I would watch my dad go on tour, you know, and be gone for a while, you know, in like fifth grade, sixth grade, um, going on tour with Andre Crouch. Um, you mentioned the blood will never lose its power. You duet with your father in a social media post or TikTok, like you said. And I, th- I think it's a great duet. So I, I want our listeners to hear it. Um, do you want to say anything? Uh, so I guess this is the, on the occasion of Andre Crouch's death, but he died in 2015. Yeah, but it was like on the anniversary. It was I think we posted it on on uh, oh, January okay. 8th or something like that. That was when he passed the day that he passed, at least. So this is this is the Andre Crouch song, "The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power," sung by my guest Samara Joy, singing with her father Antonio McClendon. It reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, yes, the blood that gives me strength from death. Okay, that's that was a, a social media post of my guest Samara Joy singing with her father Antonio McClendon, and uh, that that's that's really great. It must be so great to sing with your family. Yeah, it really is. I, I grew up actually listening to them sing. Um, they had an album actually um, produced by Keith Diamond, who's my uncle-in-law, um, and he worked with Michael Bolton and James Ingram and Donna Summer, um, and he produced a family album uh, for the McClendons um, that I listened to all the time. It wasn't released officially, but um, we have we have the bootlegs. <laughs> and so um, listening to them sing my whole life and copying them and to now, you know, we did a tour um, for Christmas because we released a a holiday single, Oh Holy Night, um, and we got to, the chance to go on tour together and sing together. So it really is a, a, a blessing. Um, so um, uh, your grandparents, especially your grandfather, I guess, was really opposed to you singing secular music at first. Um, what about your father? Did he, he, I think, had a pretty extensive record collection beyond gospel. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I, he was definitely, both of my parents were very supportive of 
of my musical endeavors. You know, in school, they came to every show I was a part of. I did musical theater, and they would come to the show or, you know, choral concerts, and, you know, they would come and record, as as parents do. Um, and so from the very beginning, they were very encouraging of me. In fact, I think my dad has a tape, a cassette tape of me singing along to Usher on the radio when I was, like, four years old. Um, <laughs> and he plays it for me every now and then. Um so uh, it, it definitely, it wasn't a problem. I think that their philosophy, because my dad grew up in such a strip, strict household, um, weren't allowed to go to the movies, you weren't allowed to listen to the radio, even though, you know, he would learn, he was learning how to play bass for church, you know, when he was 10 years old. Um, and so when his parents weren't home, he would listen along to the radio and try to learn a song before they switched it um, to the next track. Um, so I think because of, because of that strict upbringing, he wanted us to have a little bit more of a well-rounded musical experience. So what were the things that you heard from your father? Well, he had a studio actually at home, and so I would listen to his songs. Um, oh, like a recording studio? Mm-hmm, a home studio. He would bring in artists that he was, you know, working with just locally and um, wh- whoever he's writing songs for. He still does it, you know, whoever he's writing songs for at the time. Um, playing it, kind of blasting it throughout the house. We had to go upstairs and be quiet because he was recording downstairs, you know. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of music in the house, but I remember vividly listening to his songwriting process. Oh, do you want to sing one of his songs? Gosh. Uh, well, he's he has one. It's called um, "I Like to Get Away to My Secret Place." Where I can seek your face, seek your face. Oh, how precious is the time we spend in every quiet moment. That's one of his songs. And is he singing about Jesus or is he singing about a That song's one? about God, yeah. Well, you are so, like music is so in your blood. It probably just came so naturally for you to sing. I, I mean, I really always loved to do it. I had a, I had a, uh, iPod that my dad gave me, um, and he would upload songs the old-fashioned way, <laughs> and um, you know, from his computer, and just have a bunch of albums on there. I, I, I just hit shuffle, you know, and so I, I mm-hmm. and because I loved listening to singers, I loved listening to him. I loved listening to the family album. Um, I think I. I really paid attention to every detail when I was trying to copy, like, you know, a run, you know, from somebody or, you're, you know, listening to their tone, copying their tone, like Layla Hathaway, for example. Um, I paid I paid attention to all that stuff. So it was definitely um, natural, I guess, for me to want to pursue that. And he played he played bass, too. So I was listening intently to the band playing behind the singers as well. Right. OK, it's time for another break. Let me reintroduce you. My guest is Samara Joy, and her latest album, which is called Linger a While, won the Grammy for Best New Jazz Vocal Recording, and she won this year's Grammy for Best New Artist. We'll be right back with more music. She's going to sing with her band after we take a short break. This is Fresh Air. So I'm going to ask you to do another song. Um, one of the songs on your new album is Social Call, a song I first knew from from Betty Carter. Um, what does the song mean to you, and how did you first come across it? I actually first heard it um, sung by Ernestine Anderson on a record called Nika's Tempo. Um, and I was 
heavy into that record at the time because I was listening to Art Farmer and I was listening because he has a song on there also called In a Meditating Mood. Um, and so I just, I don't know, I really liked it. It was very uh, relaxing and um, I love the, the arrangement in it, you know, the arrangement as a part of the song. Um, and so, and I, as always, thankful to John Hendricks for his great lyrics. Um, so it just, um, it's a nice, upbeat song that I really love. Well, let me reintroduce your band to, so joining her at the piano is Cameron Campbell and with Evan Sherman on drums and Michael Migliori on bass. Okay. Here we go. Happened to pass your doorway, gave you a buzz, that's all. Lately I've thought lots about you, so I thought I'd pay a social do you recall the old days we used to have a ball? Not that I'm lonesome without you. I just thought I'd pay a social call. I'd lie and say things are just well. But to tell the truth, I haven't been too well. But if you should try to kiss me, promise that I won't stall, maybe we'll get back together, starting from this insane and all elemental simple social call, happened to pass your doorway, gave you a buzz, that's all, lately I've thought lots about you, so I thought I'd pay a social call, do you recall the old days we used to have? Okay, that's Samara Joy singing for us along with Cameron Campbell at the piano, Michael Migliori bass, and Evan Sherman drums. Thank you. Thank you all. Um, Samara, the night you won the Grammys, you went onto the stage, and you know, you're in your evening gown, and you get up there and realize you didn't have your phone, which had your notes. So had you planned to carry your phone to the stage and read from it? Yes, that's exactly what I had planned to do, <laughs> because I knew that if if I had won, you know, I wouldn't have been able to say anything in front of people like Lizzo and Beyonce. And so um, so I had my little script uh, on my phone, but I wasn't actually expecting to win. So um, I was kind of caught up in the emotions in the moment and I left it. What were you going to say that you didn't? I mean, I was going to talk about music, you know, I was going to talk about music and its impact on me and how, you know, you know, it holds space for all of us to be able to be ourselves, you know, and not having to conform to uh, a, a certain mold in order to be successful, kind of like before about, you know, identity and being myself. I was going to say something, I guess, a little bit more profound, <laughs> you know, about how music has changed my life and that kind of thing. But I just ended up thanking everybody, which is also, I guess, good, too. 
So can you do one more song for us? I would absolutely want... love to. I wish this didn't well, have to end. <laughs> I feel the same. <laughs> um, what, what song would you like to do? Right now we'd like to do for you a, a song that has uh, opened many doors for me since I first recorded it. Um, and the way that I do it has since shifted from the first for first time I ever uh, tried my hand at it. This is Stardust. This is a Hoagie Carmichael song. And what's the difference between how you did it before and how you're doing it now? Well, I think about, you know, I think the state of mind that I was in when I first recorded it. I was in college, you know, hadn't had much gig experience or any time of time on the road um and so I, it was very i wouldn't say it was very pure my approach to it i just wanted to sing the melody as best as i could um now i'm after a couple of years of touring and a couple um times <laughs> more than a couple times of me singing the song i've i've uh found a place in it you know where i can explore and take more more liberties while still sticking close to the melody okay Sometimes I wonder why I spend the lonely nights dreaming of a song about haunts my reverie. Thank you all so much. It's just been so wonderful 
to hear you and to talk with you. Thank you for all the pleasure you've given me and our listeners today. So thank you, Samara Joy and Cameron Campbell, who's been at the piano, Michael Migliore, bass, Evan Sherman, drums. And Samara, I really wish you good luck. You have such an interesting future ahead, and I, I hope you continue to follow your heart. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure talking to you, and I can't wait to meet you in person. Oh, gosh, I'd love that. Samara Joy recorded in March. Her latest album is called Linger a While. A new expanded edition has just been released with bonus material, including alternate arrangements. Samara and her band joined us from the WNYC studios in New York. Our thanks to WNYC and to recording engineer Irene Trudell. Earlier this month, we celebrated our 36th anniversary as a daily national program. You can hear all the interviews we broadcast over those years, there are many thousands, by visiting our Fresh Air Archive website at freshairarchive.org. Archive is singular. That's freshairarchive.org. And to keep up with what's on our show and get highlights of our interviews, follow us on Instagram at NPR Fresh Air. shine above you linger a while whisper I love you linger a while when you have gone away each hour seems like a day I have something to tell you so linger a while the stars shine above you won't you I have something to tell you Watch you linger a while Fresh Air's executive producer is Danny Miller Our technical director and engineer is Audrey Bentham with additional engineering today from Adam Staniszewski Our interviews and reviews are produced and edited by Amy Sallett, Phyllis Myers, Sam Brigger, Lauren Krenzel Heidi Saman, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Teresa Madden Thea Chaloner, Seth Kelly, and Susan Yacundi our digital media producer is Molly C.V. Nesper. Roberta Shorrock directs the show. Our co-host is Tanya Mosley. I'm Terry Gross. When you have-